0: well good morning and happy saturday it's that time time for a fresh edition of the bob rose rewind thank you so much for tuning in on this edition i'm featuring a segment on mental health and suicide prevention each year the sky and our parent company odyssey present the i'm listening initiative to increase awareness and provide resources to prevent suicide a leading cause of death among young people and u.s veterans Here's a chief medical officer for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, Dr. Christine Moutier on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3 The Sky.
1: Welcome to an Odyssey Mental Wellness Initiative. It's I'm listening because talk has the power to save lives. My name is Andy Riggs, and I'm very happy to be joined today by the chief medical officer for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, Dr. Christine Moutier. Thank you for being with us this morning.
2: Thank you, Riggs, for having me on. I'm so excited to be here.
1: How do you feel the overall mental health state of America is? Like, how are we? I know we've had a lot of conversations about mental health, but are we improving with our mental health, do you feel like, overall?
2: You know, I feel like it, it of course, depends on who you talk to, and there are people who are struggling, absolutely. There are also a lot of people who have found new ways to thrive and cope because of the experiences of sort of being able to dialogue about it like never before. You know, some of the experiences might have been new or they might have been, you know, worsening of their pre-existing depression or anxiety, but... And I actually just had the opportunity to review the CDC's household pulse survey, Mm -hmm. which has been throughout the pandemic kind of taking the pulse of mental health experiences of like average Americans, all different demographics, geography, age groups. And um, it looks to me like there is a sort of steady state going on overall. But again, it really depends on who you talk to. And there are families, there are young people, there are middle aged people who are 100% struggling. And again, trying to access mental health care, sometimes connecting with that and sometimes not being able to do that. So there's there's a lot of things going on for sure.
1: Talk really does have the power to save lives. That's why we're here today. It's Odyssey's Mental Wellness Initiative. I'm listening and I'm here with Dr. Christine Moutier, the chief medical officer for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Let's talk about the 988 number that has just gone into place. A lot of people may not know about it, but previously we had a longer number one 800 talk 8255 It was just a lot. And I think for a while we kind of advocated to get a shorter number, almost a 911 for the brain. And that's what we have. What is 988? What does this mean?
2: 988 is the new three-digit number for any type of mental health or suicide-related crisis, and that includes substance abuse crisis as well. So really anything that is impacting the way you are thinking, feeling, functioning that may be related to stress, depression, anxiety, trauma, I mean, it is a wide open field. So, And as you pointed out, it's not just the person who's struggling that can use this 988 number. It is the people in their lives, the people who are trying to help um, someone they're worried about can get a lot of guidance by calling 988. I wanna make one point. 988 is like the 911 for the brain, for mental health, whereas 911 is being used for you know medical emergencies that are mostly physical health. The biggest difference that I think is important to realize is that 911 is a, a really important resource in our nation. It is a dispatch center, so it's not that the person who is having chest pain, you know, is going to get medical treatment from the 911 operator. But with 988. The call itself is with a trained professional. And so there is an intervention, there's a therapeutic experience that happens just by calling 988. In the rare instance that that call needs to lead on to other referrals and other actions, that can happen too. But in the large majority of cases, 988 is the therapeutic experience.
1: And this is for texting as well. I'm assuming, I'm, I've heard that you can text as well, and it's kind of linked with the crisis text line.
2: Yes, you can call or text or chat uh, with 988 from any part of, of the United States.
1: What did your role at the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention play in getting the 988 number to come to fruition this year?
2: I think we took a lead in the advocacy space um, at the national level and then in coalition with many other important organizations as well to to really help Congress understand that mental health is is critically important for our nation. It is the case that AFSP is not the organization that runs the Lifeline or 988. That is a colleague organization called Vibrant Emotional Health that does that. And a number of us in the space are able to advocate, you know, for what the nation needs. So it is a really exciting time. And and again, it's not just that it's a more memorable three digit number, but it is also this incredible opportunity to really reimagine and transform our nation's crisis response system. But again, it's that there can be new funding sources now at the state level to build that infrastructure for a more appropriate, person-centered mental health professionals in lieu of a primary law enforcement response that was built out of, you know, sort of, Almost by happenstance in the past, we need to move away from that. We need trained mental health clinicians to be responding to mental health crises
1: right. The nine eight eight number, these numbers are routed locally first. you might understand. They go to local call centers first, which whatever state you happen to be in, be it New York, California, Wisconsin, Indiana, Illinois. And then those numbers then overflow if someone in your in your immediate state is not able to answer. How important is it to make sure that we get the funding that we need for this new 988 number?
2: It is essential. We see that the volume of calls have been going up over the last decade or so pre-launch of 988. So each crisis center at the county or state level is sort of funded in different ways. And we need to step it up as a nation. If we're really going to prioritize mental health, we are going to make it a priority and put the funding there that's required to hire and train the right number of staff, which which, by the way, peer specialists can be a part of this response as well. Although through the 988 system, they are all professionals that that you will speak with. Um, but, But I just wanna say that People with lived experience can also be be called upon and trained to be a really important part of what happens next in terms of a person's access to support and education and treatment and recovery.
1: Can we speak a little bit to the stigma that still exists around mental health and how someone may feel, well, if I call nine eight eight. I don't want the police to show up. I don't want to cause any trouble. I don't want to feel like I'm inconveniencing somebody a lot like what you would think if you reached out to a friend.
2: Yes. So I think it is the extremely rare instance that a call to the lifeline or 988 now would result in in the police showing up. That is a rare event that is reserved for Um, extreme situations where imminent risk to the person or others is, is determined to be the case. So, you know, in terms of stigma, I think one of the biggest concerns is who will find out? Where does this information go? Is it tracked? Will my employer know? Is my family going to know? And I think this is, this is sort of a two-level issue. On the one hand, stigma is reducing. And we are aiming for a time and a world to live in where mental health is treated exactly like physical health is. So there still might be privacy concerns. We still have matters of you know private health but that when it comes to receiving care and being able to get support from your community, your family members, treatment, that stigma should not be in the way of that. But I think the additional key piece, when you are the one who's struggling, your brain is playing tricks on you. You are not thinking as clearly as you do in your usual state of health. And so you are thinking, I'm weak, I'm gonna get in trouble, you know, all these are sort of extreme sort of, you know, always, never, um, my life will be over, I won't be able to work, um, you know, really extreme and, and mostly very untrue beliefs will be going through a person's mind. And so I only point that out because you may be surprised if you're thinking, I can't call 988, or I can't seek mental health care because of whatever, what my family will think, what my colleagues will think. I just want to point out that most likely your own thought process may be the biggest barrier in the way. And you'll find out by just taking that step of calling how much help and relief and support is out there. And in the vast majority of cases, there's just no negative that comes from it. It's like, If you were having chest pain or you're having some other physical health problem, when you reach out for help, that's the start of treatment, recovery, support, and healing. And it's the same thing for mental health.
1: And 988, the number is now live. And also the Suicide Prevention Lifeline number will still li- it will still work, it'll still direct to that. 1-800-273-TALK. So know that both of those numbers are now active and up and ready for you to use right now. Dr. Christine Moutier, the Chief Medical Officer for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Thank you so much for being part of our very important mental health, mental wellness initiative here at Odyssey. I'm listening. Talk really does have the power to save lives. We appreciate the work you do with us with Odyssey and all the work you do with the American Foundation for Suicide
0: Prevention. Coming up next on the Bob Rose Rewind, we're going to touch base with the chief from Ocala Police Department Chief Mike Balkin talking about dangers, kids and guns and how busy they've been with the youth this summer. That's next on the Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3 The Sky.
3: Call
2: from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
0: Good morning, happy Saturday, and welcome to the Bob Rose Rewind. This time we speak with the Chief, Mike Balkin, from Ocala Police Department, talking about uh, kids and guns, not a good combo, but also very busy in the community overall with the youths, as we say. Let's get to it right now. The Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3, the sky. Good morning, Chief. How you doing?
6: doing great Bob thanks for having me again
0: how are you oh fantastic it's always a pleasure you guys are really getting involved I know you have been but I mean really getting involved with the community doing so many important things and really trying to build uh you know a bond with the youth and I know you've done several events one that really kicked on uh kind of stuck out to me was actually bringing in a dramatic play called who's in the box tell me about that
6: yeah who's in the box is a uh is a theatrical performance, really, that educates teens on the serious uh, consequences of gun violence. You and I have talked about that before. You know, Cal is uh, uh, not unique in the fact that we've seen our, our share of uh, juveniles uh, losing their lives uh, due to gun violence. So, you know, a lot of gang issues uh, here and around Central Florida that we're trying to deal with. So, yeah, this event uh, puts actors on the stage, and, and they did a great job of, of kind of, you know, uh, educating these kids on what could really happen, who's in the box, meaning who's, who, who's ended up in the coffin, you know, in, in the casket, and uh, yeah, it was interesting to watch these kids, uh, you know, come in and uh, 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 kind of take part in this. We had a great turnout; about four hundred uh, folks showed up and uh, and got to witness this uh, this performance. So it's a great way, I think, not only to engage with the community, but to really, you know, try to try to prevent uh, another senseless uh, loss of life here in Ocala.
0: I know you also have the Youth Academy, uh, so young people could understand uh, what law enforcement is about. Also, uh, maybe, you know, for them to think about it as a career. Uh, so I'm assuming that's over. When will you do the next one?
6: Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we do one a year, uh, one every summer. So that one's uh, wrapped up. Um, but uh, yeah, these kids come in; they get to kind of understand uh, what it's like to be a police officer, what it takes. They get a tour of the OPD headquarters, and most importantly, they get to interact with with our staff and uh, and learn about us. We get to learn about them. They get to understand local government, how it works, and uh, uh, really get them involved. Right? This is uh, this is not our police department; it's theirs. It's it's uh, it's the uh, citizens' uh, police department. So yeah, we want to bring those those kids in and, and kind of catch them at a young age. And absolutely, if we can. Uh, uh, turn a few of them into future police officers and absolutely we're going to take every opportunity we can to do that
0: yeah and unfortunately you know uh sometimes uh the youths in the community have time on their hands and if they don't have something productive to do uh, sometimes they're actually the ones that get into trouble and i know you constantly have to address that Uh, it's unfortunate we have to call it normal summertime issues like car burglaries and such because it's a lot of its youth based correct
6: it, it, it is, and, and yeah, it's, I hate to use the term normally as well, but, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, every summer we see uh, an uptick in, in juvenile-related crimes, you know, things like car burglaries and criminal mischief, things like that. And uh, uh, it's, it is it is typical for us. We kind of tug, you know start planning that early before school even gets out to keep an eye on, uh, uh, you know, areas where those types of crimes start to increase. But, uh, you know, relatively speaking, we've had a great summer. Um, you know, our officers are, and detectives are out there doing a great job uh in prevention and and knock on wood, uh, we, you know we've done pretty good this summer and uh, uh, look to continue um, that here for the next uh, few weeks until school starts.
0: I I just think you've been lucky because the weather's so hot. Even the criminals are like it's too hot to go outside and do crime.
6: You might you might be right, brother. It's uh, it's been it's been unbearable the last couple of weeks here in in Central Florida for sure.
0: Um, but yeah, a lot of people are on motorcycles. I, I'm assuming the cost of fuel. Maybe they uh, maybe they jump on the two wheels and use it more often than not. But now we're seeing, I guess, an increased number of motorcycle crashes. What, uh, what can we do?
6: Yeah, you know, it's 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 really uh, uh, an alarming number of uh, fatalities that we've seen, not just the motorcycle-specific, but uh, our traffic fatalities are way, way up this year. And, you know, I think just with the growth and congestion that we're seeing here uh, uh, this year is just uh, adding to that problem. But, uh, no, you know, certainly uh, drinking and driving or drinking and riding a bike is a, a terrible combination. Uh, for starters, uh, we certainly want our motorcyclists to be out there uh, being more visible with uh, what they wear, always wearing their helmets. And uh, and riding control and within your uh, uh, you know your expertise and, and follow the rules right. Those there's uh, laws out there. A lot of these crashes are uh, are speed related, and and you know we're trying to get that uh, get that uh, curbed as well. But you know uh, FDOT, Florida Department of Transportation, uh, puts out statistics uh, every year on 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 crashes, motorcycles uh, as well. And you know a, a lot of people I think uh, just think it's it's the car driver that doesn't see the the motorcyclist, and, and we have our fair share of those. About forty one percent of the crash Crashes involve a, a secondary vehicle, but where that secondary vehicle is at fault. But that leaves the other, you know, 59% uh, uh, of motorcycle crashes where the motorcyclist is is the one at fault, whether that's single vehicle or multi-vehicle crashes. So, yeah, it's important to uh, to pay attention, ride within your in your means, and uh, and be safe. Wear that helmet. No drinking and driving. Uh, be visible, and 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 of course, uh, be you know, drive defensively because you never know when that car uh, is going to pull out. They they can't see you.
0: Yeah, be visible. Try to stay out of people's blind spots. Uh, It's pretty basic, but you have to remind yourself constantly. uh, If people can't see, and it's surprising. I think somebody held up a pencil one time about, you know, two foot away from like a driver's Mm -hmm. eye, and that pencil could actually block down an oncoming motorcycle.
6: It, for, for yeah, up until a very close distance. So yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. It's important to, uh, to to again drive defensively and make sure that uh, you're not in those blind spots that people can see you.
0: Yeah, and it's hard to ride a motorcycle and eat a cheeseburger. Trust me, I've tried it. I wouldn't recommend <laughs> that at home. Not a good, good idea. Good advice. Now I'm just kidding. I would never do that. Um, uh, also, you have some job openings. Tell us uh, what it would take to be like a dispatcher for nine one one.
6: Yeah, always looking for people to uh, join our 911 dispatch team. Uh, we have numerous openings uh, in there, no experience required. We'll basically train you up uh, right out of high school uh, and make sure that you're going to be successful here here within the agency. And, you know, we're one big family. We look at our 911 dispatchers and call takers as our our ears uh, to what's going on out there, and they, they look after our officers uh, day in and day out and make sure they're safe. So, yeah, they play a crucial role in, in, in what's, what's a, an incredibly tough job, but uh, uh, it's demanding but it's exciting and it's extremely rewarding so uh, anyone out there interested in uh uh, not not a job but a career in public safety uh and and thinks they do well behind a a dispatch console reach out you can go uh online to the city's website or the police department's website uh, and apply right there
0: yeah and if you find out you're really enjoying what you're doing you can stay there and heck, there's some that are making up to twenty-six bucks an hour uh, with some experience. That's a great thing, but maybe you'll catch that law enforcement bug, and next thing you know, uh, you know, you could be uh, on the road.
6: It's a great way to look at it, Bob. It's it's uh, we don't look at it as an entry level position. Uh, a lot of folks do uh, uh, make that a career, but uh, yeah, there's a handful of others, a good percentage, I should say, that transition over uh, into other roles here in the police department. So we've got a big agency, you know, 307, I think now employees we're up to, and uh, yeah, and they move around a bit. We're we're one big family, and uh, and and again, those dispatchers play a critical role. So yeah, if you are, if you're out there needing a great job, a great career, uh, yeah, come come uh, look into that position. We love to
0: talk with you. Well, we're looking at, the you know, the dog days of summer, like we talked about earlier with the weather, and still a month or so for most kids getting back to school and all that. Uh, any, any information or knowledge you want to leave us with, uh, you know, the next four or five weeks, what it's, uh, well, you know, what the focus is going to be in terms of law enforcement?
6: Yeah, you know, I, I think we're going to continue on on our prevention strategies, Bob, uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, we, we'd much rather not have to investigate the crime. We'd rather prevent it to, uh, to begin with. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I think parents need to keep an eye on their kids, need to understand what they're doing, where they're at, make sure they're making good decisions out there. A lot of our crime, really across the state, the country, uh, is juvenile-related, just uh, crimes of opportunity, bad decisions that, that we know kids are going to occasionally make. We want to certainly avoid that and, uh, you know, avoid uh, them doing something that could uh, potentially impact the rest of their lives. So uh, uh, that, car safety with the heat, uh, you know, make sure uh, we're checking those back seats for our, our uh, furry friends and our, and our kids. Make sure we're not, uh, you know, causing, uh, you know, a problem there. We've, we've seen those deaths happen, you know, in years past. We haven't seen anything like that so far uh, this summer in Ocala. We want to continue that. So just make sure you're aware of that heat. You know, cars are dangerous in the summertime. So uh, keep an eye on that back seat. <laughs>
0: That was Ocala Police Department Chief Mike Balkin on the Bob Rose Rewind. Stick around. Coming up next, Congresswoman Kat Kamick and the Axis of Evil. She'll explain next on 97.3 The Sky. Good morning and happy Saturday as we continue with the Bob Rose Rewind. And Congresswoman Kat Kamick, she went to war college and she actually uh, talked about some important stuff related to her thesis. How does that fit in with what's going on today? Well, let's ask her right now on the Bob Rose Rewind 97.3, The Sky. Good morning, Kat. How are you? (laughs) Good
5: morning, Bob. How are you doing?
0: Doing fantastic. Hey, uh, one of the things I want to ask you about, and I know, I hope it's not a curveball, but I'm getting a story about Iran, Russia, China running war drills upcoming in the Latin America area. Heard anything about that?
5: Yes. You know, what's crazy about that, Bob, is years and years ago, I was at the Naval War College and ended up writing a thesis on a new axis forming. And it was going to be between Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, and Venezuela. And now we're starting to see real indicators of that really dangerous alliance forming. Now, what that means is that the United States is going to be put into a position where do we continue the phone ops, the freedom of navigation operations in the Indo-Pacific region to try to maintain some stability? We can't forget the fact that 80 percent of global trade goes through that area. But you look at what's happening here on our own home turf. You've got a crisis. You've got inflation through the roof. You can't afford gas. Groceries are incredibly expensive and getting getting scarce. We have to take care of business at home before we're going to be taking care of business abroad. But we are watching to see what's going on because this is a very, very dangerous time. Our enemies do not fear us. They don't respect us. And they're going to start pushing boundaries. And it's going to be incumbent upon us to have our stuff together to respond if there is a direct threat to United States sovereignty and security.
0: You said on my show previous that Joe Biden bought and paid for by the Chinese Communist Party. And since that time, we've seen evidence and more evidence and more evidence. Uh, do we? I guess we have to wait till the midterms and, and you Republicans take over before there'll be a real investigation between Hunter Biden, his father, the president, and dealings with China.
5: Yeah, I mean, think about this. We have strategic petroleum reserves that are going into a global marketplace to prop up the CCP. When we're standing there paying, what, average of $5 a gallon of gas nationally, and we are pulling our strategic reserves out and sending it to the CCP, are they high over there? I mean, I know that normally that'd be a tongue-in-cheek question, but I legitimately have to ask. This is crazy. I know we've got crackpipes You know, distribution centers popping up around the country, courtesy of Joe Biden. But this is insane. What are we doing? And when you talk to some of the colleagues on the left, they don't even know what's going on in the White House. They don't know who's running the show. And there's a lot of concern for the ability of this administration to respond to serious national security threats. They've proven time and time again they can't handle a domestic agenda. They've fumbled the ball every step of the way. And now they're going to go back to the old failed playbook of the build back, broke agenda and try to bring that back and abolish the filibuster to take over our election, to do abortion on demand and every other little green New Deal wish list item that they want. It's nuts.
0: And so now Joe Biden's going to go to Saudi Arabia, who he called wow. a pariah, and now beg for oil. What's that about?
5: It's embarrassing I mean truthfully this is embarrassing. We had such an incredible uh, foreign policy when we had Trump in the White House the Abraham Accords and I've heard this directly from ambassadors in Middle East region that they were so proud of the work that was done under the Trump administration bringing that peace into the region and really opening up those trade routes and and establishing those relationships and joe biden has done nothing but continue to erode our standing in the world and put additional pressure on our allies in the region by now going and and bending the knee to saudi arabia what in the heck are we doing it it, this makes absolutely no sense if the green new deal initiative is to have green energy why would they go to the producers of energy that have the least regulated environment that can't produce it as clean or efficiently as we can in the United States. It's because it's never been about the Green New Deal. It's about who gets the kickbacks and when. And we know that Joe Biden, he has got his, his hand in the cookie jar. Hunter Biden is, is probably one of the most corrupt people that we know is in the administration today. And of course, if what came out uh, about Joe, uh, Hunter Biden with those videos showing him buying crack and naked on the beach and and soliciting for prostitutes. If If that were a Republican, that's all people would be talking about, but not a peep out of the leftist media. It's a double standard, and it's a double standard that we can't afford from a security standpoint or from an economic standpoint. And that's why taking this House back in November, along with the Senate, is so, so important.
0: Yeah, I know. I hear you. And uh, it's not like somebody caught him on a secret camera and it's some kind of grainy image. I mean, he videotaped himself doing these drugs and hanging out with the prostitutes. And his laptop is just a treasure trove of all kinds of information, including, uh, you know, an audio recording from his dad saying, hey, the New York Times coming out with an article. It's online. I read it, you know. I think you're good. I mean, of course he knows about his overseas dealings, but he told us straight-faced, oh, he didn't know anything about Hunter's overseas dealings. However, he did tell the truth one time. He said he was going to get rid of fossil fuel in America. It looks like he's following through on that.
5: They certainly are. And, you know, eight times to date, we have been on the House floor with an energy independence bill that would restart our domestic production here. And every single time Nancy Pelosi has rejected that bill. All they're doing is a smoke and mirrors nonsense. They'll put bills on the floor that are entitled something like lowering food and fuel costs. But you actually read the bill and it does the exact opposite. And it increases fuel prices and it increases the cost of all the inputs, which drives the cost of our food. And so people then call me and they're all upset saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you voted against this bill. Well, it's because I read the bill. And they don't want you to read what's actually in the legislative text, because then you start to see that all these things are just designed to grow the size and scope of government to make people dependent on these programs so that the Democrats can stay in power. That's all really it comes down to. And I just wish that we could get back to a place of single issue bills. And I wish that members would sign off on saying I have actually read this text, not not what a third party source told them to do, but they themselves have read the bill. Because there's so much bad information out there, and that's driving bad policy. So it's it's pretty crazy. We'll have to see what happens with Saudi Arabia and uh, Biden this week. But I, I have my doubts that he probably won't mention or question or push back against the Saudis uh, with regard to our American journalists that the Saudis murdered. Um, so we'll we'll put a pause on that and see how things play out.
0: One of the one of the other things I want to know is, um, you know, I feel like the DOJ has been weaponized. We know about Agent Strzok and the FBI, but I believe there was uh, a huge undertaking in the January sixth things. I think there was infiltration either of our, uh, you know, clandestine operations, CIA, NSA, and or DOJ, FBI, um, the Gateway Pundit. Uh, has uh, a piece that's come out and claims that, you know, the panel knows all about that the, for the, uh, the Proud Boys, for instance, the, their own in, infiltrator, FBI infiltrator, said these guys are not uh, dangerous. And yet they move forward to prosecute. If, if the Republicans get the, the advantage after the midterms, uh, are, can, do you think they'll be looking into this, this whole how this January 6th thing is a giant piece of propaganda and a setup?
5: Yeah, you know, I think that that's 100 percent going to be part of the agenda. I mean, we've talked at length about the fact there needs to be accountability, and there needs to be accountability for the leftist movement that has set a double standard, right? They incite violence and, and then turn around and point their fingers at us. When you look at this sham of the January 6th committee, and that's what it is, the total sham broke 232 years of precedent by uh, disregarding the minority being able to put their own representatives on this panel. They've cherry-picked what uh, videos they want played and what tweets they want displayed. You know, it, it, It's all a total political propaganda sham. If it were real, they would be disclosing Nancy Pelosi's communications. And I'll, I'll continue to say this all day long. Why has Nancy Pelosi's text, emails, phone calls, and her staff communications from the day of, the day after, and the days leading up to January 6th not been released? And if it's more about the security that they're trying to get to the bottom of it, why have none of the Senate recommendations after their report came out, why have none of them been implemented? It, It doesn't make any sense. And then you look at all the people who've been denied due process. There will be a reckoning and there's going to be a lot of investigating that goes on to restore the faith in the American people that our justice system is going to work the way that it was intended. And so there's, absolutely going to be accountability and there's going to be consequences and for people who think that oh you know this we just need to forget about it no there have been a lot of americans who have been denied due process and that is a cornerstone of our constitutional republic so that is going to 100 percent be on the docket and part of the agenda my sense is that we're going to get about two good quarters of legislative activity before everything turns to the presidential election
0: congresswoman kat Kamick on the bob rose rewind And coming up next, Bobby Schultz, Sheriff of Gilchrist County on the Bob Rose Rewind. Stick around. 97.3 The Sky. Happy, happy Saturday. The Bob Rose Rewind continues this time with Sheriff Bobby Schultz from Gilchrist County talking about hiring and retaining staff and there's even a groundbreaking that may be coming up soon, so listen up. It's the Bob Rose Rewind, 97.3, the sky. Good morning, Sheriff. How you doing? Good morning, Bob, from the freest county and the freest state in America. There you go. I love it. Hey, uh, with the price of food going up, I, I know this sounds like coming out of left field, but I was wondering, do you ever have any issues with uh, stolen agriculture like uh, cattle rustling?
4: Well, from time to time, we do have those folks that'll think it's a good idea to come do some cattle rustling. But thankfully, we don't have a whole lot of that. And if it is, it's isolated. But we're not, we're not immune to all that stuff here in Gilchrist
0: County. Right. Well, summertime brings its own challenges, and uh, sometimes you can use it to your benefit. You've got the uh, uh, sometimes some youth available. Tell me about some of the things you've been doing over the summer with the, uh, the community and the youth.
4: Well, I've always tried to make it a priority to, to be with our youth. Whenever whenever they're gathered up, we try our best to send deputies and our employees there to, to support them in, in certain groups. And this year, this summer's been no different. Uh, we've been in the schools. They have certain camps going on. We have a criminal justice program at Bell High School that we're particularly proud of. So we go up there, we do demonstrations. We bring our, our canines up there, our, our drone. Uh, we speak to the kids about see something, say something. Um, we just we enjoy being around our kids. Those are our future. That's that's why we, we do what we do. And then uh, in the past couple of years, we have uh, helped form the Gilchrist uh, Prevention Coalition, which is basically uh, a group that centers on trying to, to prevent crime, given resources. And uh, this summer, under the direction of Captain Cheryl Brown from the Gilchrist County Sheriff's Office and the, and the coalition, uh, we've been able to do a couple of food drives where uh, – with Farm Share, we give out food to uh, members of the community. They come up, they drive up, and we uh, we give them some fresh produce. So we're, we're really proud of that and, and those programs.
0: Well, that sounds great. I, I would imagine reaching out to youth is uh, really there's several different avenues. You don't want them to fear the police. You want them to respect police, but also to work with them. Like you say, uh, see something, say something. But also, you want to give them a little taste of what law enforcement's about. That wouldn't hurt when it comes to. Uh, retaining, recruiting, stuff like that. I know you've got some state uh, funding. The governor, I think, helped to chip in. Tell me about that.
4: Yeah, the uh, recently the state legislature, uh, Chuck Clemens and Senator Bradley and, and that group, and along with our governor DeSantis, uh, helped financially constrain counties, which there's roughly 27 of them throughout the, the state. Uh, when I came into office in 2013, the start and pay for deputy sheriffs was $30,000. Wow. And corrections officers were uh, right at that itself. And that's hard to to bring people and keep them here when right across the, the, the border there and to Alaska County, they, they're paying lots more. So this year, they, they uh, seen it being a problem for us uh, financial extreme counties and they give us an influx of money, it's a grant money. So we're able to pay our deputies significantly more. So for the first time in probably since I've been in office, we're uh, By November 1st, we should have a full roster of employees here and making a, a, a good salary. So we're very thankful for those legislators and our governor for, for seeing a problem and not saying that's not our problem and helping us out.
0: Right. You want to attract and retain folks. And, you know, you get them at a younger age better for longevity. You keep them around. But that's also the age where a lot of us want to start families, too. So uh, you want to try to sustain your family. Uh, on what was very, very low pay, but you've worked on that and you've got the governor on board and some other key folks. So uh, that's excellent. And I know things are also starting to line up for the jail that you've been working on trying to bring to Gilchrist County for some time now. And uh, do you have a date for uh, groundbreaking?
4: We don't, I don't have an actual date. I was talking to the county administrator a couple of days ago, but it seems like uh, he told me probably the first or second week of August, we will have a, a groundbreaking here in Trenton. Uh, it'll be, a a jail that will hold nearly a hundred folks, which is sufficient to our needs. Uh, it'll be something that we can be proud of. And, uh, while we're not proud that we have to arrest people, um, we're going to give them the, the care, custody and control that the law requires. And, uh, we can keep our inmates here. The cost to the citizens, uh, is virtually no more than what we're already budgeted for, for the, uh, the jail, which we have now, which was built in 1968. So we're looking forward to, to having that and updating our facilities and, and uh, having that groundbreaking soon. And, and you and you and Greg are invited.
0: All right. All right. I'd rather go to the groundbreaking than visit any other time if it's <laughs> good point. all the same. <laughs> good thing. point. Yeah.
4: How's Understood. The,
0: yeah, unless the food's really good, but it's going to have to be really good.
4: Well, it's the best thing that Lancaster Correctional can make.
0: Oh, okay. So you're kind of sharing uh, sort of some of the uh, facilities, not facilities, but I guess resources.
4: Yes, sir. We we contract with the state of Florida. It's, uh, it's a minimal cost to the taxpayers. It, it gives them their nutri- their uh, nutritional value for the day, according to our government. And uh, yes, sir, we, 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 uh, they assist us with that three times a day.
0: Well, I'm sure that, you know, you being fiscally responsible is something that, uh, you know, the folks appreciate uh, because it's not easy. Everybody's got to try to stretch a buck and uh, police organizations and sheriff's outfits, you, you got to do the same thing. We we talked before about, you know, the rising cost of fuel and things like that, how that can be challenging. But, uh, you know, I know you need to get the job done, so uh, we appreciate that.
4: Well, we appreciate it. We're always looking for ways to save money, and uh, we've talked about it before on the program. You know, we uh, I'm not a big government grant guy. I, I think that uh, the leaks are dependent on the government, the better off all of us are. But we do some of those grants from the Florida Share Association, shared asset program. We, we get a lot of resources from them. Uh, we, we look to the community. Uh, we're, we're just completely blessed here in Gilchrist County with the support for law enforcement, and I, I return that. I reciprocate that by making sure that I, I give them the value for their buck and give them the services that they deserve.
0: Well, so far so good, right, Sheriff?
4: Well, that's what I'm hoping, and uh, I'm trying to keep things uh, safe here. You know, uh, one, one other thing I wanted to, to get out there is uh, I wanted to – make sure i give a shout out to the gilchrist county school district one of the things we're really proud here in our county is, is we have one of the best systems school districts not only in the state of florida but the country and they're consistently what they consider a schools uh shout out to them they, they work their their behinds off and and they they give it their all every day to give our children the education they deserve so really good job gilchrist county
0: all right right on and of course that benefits you as a chief law enforcement officer because better schools less crime
4: Absolutely.
0: All right, Sheriff. We always appreciate your time and uh, stay safe.
4: Yes, sir. You too. Y'all take
3: care.
0: And that was Gilchrist County Sheriff Bobby Schultz on the Bob Rose Rewind. Thanks to all my guests: Congresswoman Kat Kamick, uh Chief of Police for Ocala, Mike Balkin, and starting things off, Dr. Christine Mute, who is uh, from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Thanks to all my guests. Thank you for tuning in and supporting what we do. And I invite you to tune in Monday morning starting at 6 a.m. for the Bob Rose Show along with Greg Cassidy right here on 97.3 The Sky.